The Leaderpreneur Show, Episode 40, Leading Through the Generations, Baby Boomers, and Behind the Scenes. Let's go. Welcome back, my friends, to The Leaderpreneur Show the podcast for leaders to deepen their knowledge while exploring an entrepreneurial journey of their own. I'm your host, Stephen Faust, and I'd like to personally thank you today for taking the time to join us for some leadership discussion and learn how we are operating our online businesses behind the scenes. If you like the show, I'd encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by going to leaderpreneurshow.com and smashing that subscribe button. And we'd be honored to have you as a regular listener. Today, as always, I'm joined by my great friend, my co-host. He's Michael Tanner. Michael, my friend, how is it going this week, sir? Stephen, man, I am great. How about yourself? Oh, I just couldn't be better. You know, it's it's a beautiful day. You know what's coming, right? What's that? what's coming? It's the weather. Show me what the, the temperature the, is yeah, there so, in, 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 so in the, the Arizona. Yeah, everybody can't see this, but I just do do want to show you where we're at right now. 115. 115. Oh, Moses. 115. Oh my word. Which is, you know, when you think about it, it's it's not that bad. Let me show you this because it's earlier earlier in the week, this is what it was supposed to be yesterday on Saturday. Is that 122? That's 122. Oh my word. But we got a reprieve and only got to about 116. Only someone from Arizona would look at 115 and say, but it's not that bad. It's not. Well, compared to 122, oh you know, when it gets to be oh about 120, um, not that there's a lot of flights and, and airplanes taken off these days with the virus, but it's it, when it gets to be about 120, they can't even take off out of out of Sky Harbor here because it's just so hot. And there's such an impact on uh, whatever air. Uh, aerospace characteristics that cause flight to occur within some safety window. Uh, they, they don't even take off when it's that hot. Now, I, don't, I just want to point out that this is the guy that's in the aerospace industry that's struggling to explain what. <laughs> I tell you, the whole aerodynamic, you know, safety, you know, whatever is, is certainly what it hits to be 120 plus. You'll, you'll see these announcements come out about suspension of uh flight operations at the airport because of the heat. Right, so right. It doesn't happen right, that often. Right. I mean, 120 is very unusual. Yeah, but I mean, 115, 120, is yeah. is there really that big a difference? I mean, once yeah. it hits 115, what's five more degrees? Exactly. Come on. You know, really, when you right. think about it, it's only about five minutes more of baking a cake at, you know, 350 <laughs> versus 375, right? It's, it's not that right. much, not that right. big of a deal. Right. Good. So that's just crazy. Well, here we, I mean, today, I don't, I think it might've gotten to about the mid eighties. We've actually had a bit of a cool spell here uh, in in Atlanta. I mean, normally we're well into the nineties right here in July. Uh, But for the last couple of days, I think it's been in the mid nine or mid eighties or so. Yeah. At 75% humidity. I'm sure. Yeah. The humidity is pretty, pretty high. Yeah. Um, we're so, at 13% yeah, that, that 85, today. It feels pretty hot. Yeah. We're at 13%. It is monsoon season. So it is a little more moisture in there than oh, normal. Goodness, Normally we're about 8%. Season. It is. It's monsoon season, man. We get <laughs> oh, a few dust storms and monsoons. 
You got two inches. No, it's, rain, it's monsoon season. You'll get the big wall of dust that'll come through and then oh, you'll yeah. get kind of a downpour of rain for like, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. It's yeah. Well, I figure it's like us in Atlanta, you know, when we get these huge snows, these huge snows of like an inch and a half. Oh yeah. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. An inch <laughs> so, and a half is a lot when they don't have equipment to clear the roads, it right? Is, it is horrible in Atlanta. An inch and a half is horrible <laughs> for us. Yes. Yes. Good man. What's what we got today? How are we going to get back into the groove here a little bit? Hey, so we're going to get back in the groove uh, talking. Uh, I think what we ought to do is over, say, the next four or so um, uh, podcast episodes, I think we're going to talk about leading the different generations, right? So uh, in the workforce today, there's there's four generations that are, that are somewhere in their careers in the workforce today. And so I thought we'd talk uh, through... What is it like to lead those different generations? What, you know, what should you do differently as a leader? How should you lead them differently? And so I thought we would first just kind of characterize, well, what are those four generations that are in the workforce? And then we're going to pick on the first one today, cover that one, and then we'll cover the other three in subsequent podcasts. How's that sound? Sounds great, man. Looking forward. This is a topic I haven't talked a lot about, so I'm looking forward to this discussion. Let's do it. Good. All right, let's jump in. So the first thing I think we need to do is we just need to level set everyone on, well, what are these four generations that we're going to be talking about one today and in the other three in this, in the coming podcast episodes, but you've probably heard people refer to themselves as, you know, one of these four categories, but we want to be a little more detailed in understanding, well, what are the years of, you know, the birth years and all associated with these so that we can really identify our team members and, and where they fit in these four categories. So First category that you have still in the workforce today, you have the baby boomers, all right? So the baby boomers were born uh, between the years 1944 and 1964, okay? So this is right after World War II. This is the reason they call it the baby boom because everybody comes back from the war and boom, we have lots of babies. So that's the baby boomers, 44 to 64. And then the category that Stephen, you and I fall into, we have Gen X. So Gen X uh, we were born between 1965 and 1979. Uh, so that's, uh, that's you and me. Um, according to the numbers I'm looking at, there's about 84 million people in the United States that are in Gen X. There's about 76 million uh, in the U.S. of the baby boomers. But then after that, we have the Gen Y or more commonly called the millennials. All right. So we have the millennials. They were born from 1980 to 1994. 1980 to 1994. There's about 73 million uh, millennials in the U.S. today. And then finally, we have Gen Z. Gen Z is our newest generation, and we have just a few of those in the corporate workforce today. Uh, but that's uh, born from 1995 to 2015. So obviously, those that were those Gen Zers that were born in 2015, they're not quite in the workforce yet. Um, they'll be there, you know, 15 more years or so. But uh, that's the four generations that we're going to talk about over the next four weeks. But today we're going to talk about baby boomers. So I guess baby boomers, I guess, Stephen, that would, it would definitely be my parents. I assume that would be your parents as well. Is yeah. That right? uh, my parents were born in the, the, the mid to late 30s. So I don't know what before, I don't know what was before baby boomers. My dad was born in 37, my mom in 38. I don't know what was before boomers either. In fact, before we jumped in and hit the record button, you and I were talking about, 
it's not going to be too much longer before we're the very first category exactly. in this list. But for now, we can talk a little bit about our parents, if yeah. you will. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's, it's cool, man. Let's do it. All right. So let's jump in. So let's talk about, you know, you're leading someone that's in this baby boomer category. Okay. And so uh, they were born in 1944 or to 1964. Okay. So um, one, we just need to recognize they're, they're probably looking at retirement pretty soon. They're um, you know, they're hitting that age where they knowing this generation, they've probably been, been planning very well. You know, they, um, uh, they came right after world war two and, and their parents probably taught them save very well and, and all of that. So they're reaching those years where, uh, they're probably looking into retirement. So as a leader, it's likely that you are either the same age or, or younger. It's probably more likely that you're actually younger uh, than these baby boomers. And, and so the question of, well, how, what do you need to do? How do you lead them differently? And so I, I've written a couple of notes here that I want to share with our audience, and I'm sure you've got some as well and in color commentary on these. But I think the first thing that I would suggest to a leader is that for the baby boomers, you have to be really, really intentional that you are just, you know, explicitly giving them work to do, right? A baby boomer really has this feeling of they always need to be working. They always need to be productive. You know, in some ways, I think this might be uh, a bit of an insecurity maybe that they feel, especially at this age, that um, you know, if, if I'm not being productive, if, if I don't have something to do, then this company may not need me, uh, you know, and I, and I think as a part of getting to that age and so forth, I mean, everybody's heard the nightmare stories of someone who worked for a company for 30, 35, 40 years, and then gets laid off right before retirement or something like that. Well, this is the generation that is somewhat fearful of that. And so they just want to always feel like, man, I'm, I'm working, I'm doing the work, I'm getting the work done um, and, and so forth. And, and, and I, I mentioned it or alluded to it, but yeah, this is, to, in my opinion, this is the last generation that really works for a single company for essentially all of their adulthood, right? They, they go to, to work for a company when they're in their early 20s and they work until retirement. This is kind of the last generation to do that. But, but they don't need, these baby booners, they don't as much need all the, why are we doing this work and why is this work important as much as they just need, just give me the work and let me do it. What's your thoughts on, on the boomers there? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I claim to be no expert on generational just knowledge in general, but when I take a step back and I think about baby boomers and, and the years, the 44 to 64, you know, what comes to mind to me is, is what's unique about these individuals? What did they experience and go through at the time in their life when they were forming and young adults and go, getting into corporate America? What are the experiences that, that have shaped and molded them to be, it, it, in this case, uh, you know, working today still, uh, you know, give them the work, make sure that they have work, uh, that they value this work. And I think about, they grew up during the Vietnam War. Many of them, not all of them, but many of them, they grew up some during the Vietnam War. Into the, you know, yeah, some of them got drafted into the Vietnam. Absolutely. War. So they've seen they've seen the world go through different things than what many 
uh, others have. So they have a perspective that's different. And all of the 1960s kind of transformational things that happened in society. And then I think about specifically when you say when you say that give them work to do. And I think of why. Why is that the case? And I think of I go back to the 1970s and think about this this economy that had this hyperinflation, a lot of scarcity and fuel, a lot of things that when you take a take a look at that, that can create worry and fear that I need to make sure I have my job. I need to make sure that I'm adding value. I need to make right. sure that I can continue to put food on the table because when I look at the world around me in those time periods, it's very different than the world we see around us today. When we go out and complain about dag, to use your term, dag nabbit, uh, I think, I don't know if that's a Southern term or not, but. It, I'm sure it is. Yeah. So dag nabbit. Uh, Nobody knows what you're saying yeah. except for the folks. Yeah, who that's right. That's okay. <laughs> it's a, uh, so, so it's a generational thing, I think. So dag nabbit, I can't find toilet paper at Sam's. And can you believe I can't buy my 36 rolls of toilet paper and I have to go to another store because of the virus and this, that, and the other, you know, these are inconveniences that we go through. Whereas some of these folks, in this generation have come up and seen more than inconveniences. They've seen real shortages, hyperinflation, and that yes. conditions them to really think about work differently and how they approach it because they're trying to protect and, and, and lean on these experiences they've had. And, and another way of thinking about it is to give them work all you got to do with these folks, typically, and this is a generalization, it's not always the case, but hey, go take that hill, to put it a, yes. a, a Marine or an Army term, right? Go take the hill right. over there. Yep. Yes, sir. Point me that direction. I'll go, I'll go bust through that wall. I'll go take the hill. Uh, well, why do I have to do that? No, they're not going to ask that. They're going to say, which hill? And go now? Do I go now? And you kind of let them go and they go do it. But, but that's how I think about this baby boomer generation and, and kind of why these things are the way they are and, and from our perspective and the way we view them that way and, and why they think and operate the way they do. Yeah. You know, that's a very good point. I mean, you're rarely from a, a, a baby boomer going to get, you know, the, the detailed questions around, well, why do we have to do that? And so on and so forth. They, they're they just eager to get, Oh, you gave them some, you know, you gave them some command to go do something, boom, they're just going to go do it. Right. Um, you know, I think a good example of this, this give them work. It, it, they just want to do the work because the work needs to be done. Uh, my mom is definitely in the baby boomers and, and um, I have the luxury that, that my sister and, and her husband, they live next door to my mom. Uh, but I'll be talking to my mom a lot and she'll say something like, you know, something she did out in the yard. She, she, raked leaves or she did this or she did that. And I'll say, mom, why did you do that? Why didn't you let my sister do that? Or, or her husband do that? Mom, why'd you do that? Always. Her answer is, well, it needed to be done. Right. She just done it. She just did it. Sorry, because it needed to be done. Uh, and so boomers in the workforce are the same way, right? Just give them work that needs to be done. And that's reason enough for them they'll go do that work. Now I'm obviously not suggesting you give them 
menial task. You're not going to make them go make your coffee and, and stuff like that. I'm just, you know, just be explicit about give them work to do and they are certainly willing to run and do it. Yeah. Work that matters, right? Work that matters. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So second point, um, and this is a tough one, um, especially for, uh, I don't think it's so tough for, for me and you just because we're essentially kind of one generation removed from these guys. But when you get to that second generation, so millennials and so forth, if they find themselves leading a baby boomer, this second bullet point that I'll raise, I think is tough in that situation. And that is for baby boomers, if you're leading them, you have to maintain a tremendous amount of respect for their age and for their experience. Now, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not talking about when I say you got to respect their age and, and so forth. I'm not talking about, you know, you, you've got to uh, you hold the door open for them and, and help them to their chair and things like that. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about, you've got to make sure that if you have a baby boomer that, that has an opinion or has an idea or wants to express themselves in some way, man, you've got to really, really do everything that you can to respect that, to listen to that because they have tremendous years of experience and we should all learn from that. You know, again, if I think about it, this is the last generation that's, that's probably ever going to spend 30 and 40 years in the same company. And so I'm just going to say it this way. I'm an idiot. If some guy that's worked in this company for 40 years has an idea and I don't listen to it, I'm an idiot. Right? And he's got 40 years of experience. I haven't been in the workforce 40 years. And here this guy is, he's got 40 years of experience in this specific company. Right. So, but it's, it's easy, especially for us younger, younger folks. And, and again, if you get two generations separated, this is really, really easy to just write them off as a, ah, you're just an old fart. You, you know, you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you know, that's really, really easy to do. But if we will just demonstrate to these baby boomers that we respect their age, their experience, their ideas and so forth, I, I, it fuels them like, like nothing else. Again, you don't have to tell them why, but if you respect them when they've got some idea, boom, man, it, it fuels them like crazy. Yeah. And it's tough. It can be really tough when you're, when you're leading, if you're a, if you're a millennial um, and trying to lead and, and not trying, but you're leading, you're leading these, these boomers. Uh, it, it, it can be interesting. It, it's, you've got to really stop and think about, how you how you talk with them and to your point, how you respect their knowledge and, you know, shut your mouth and open your ears and listen, because through all of this, there's a ton of wisdom there that if you choose to tap into, you can now not everything they say is going to be, you know, wise and because there's still, you know, people that you know, have different opinions and things, but there's wisdom baked down in there and it's driven by experience and things that their eyeballs have seen many more decades than yours typically. And there's a lot of value in that. And, and I think about this also, you know, millennials grew up in a world where technology was so different and more prevalent and more, uh, applicable to so many things today. You, it's easy to get frustrated with a with a baby boomer 
who may not be just by definition, I think is less likely to be savvy with technology. Doesn't mean there were, cause I know a lot of, you know, older folks that, uh, are pretty darn good with technology too. So, but you have to think about it in terms of, of generally speaking, they're going to be less uh, adept and savvy and don't let that be a source of what could be easy frustration for you as a millennial trying to lead this or anybody, yep. whatever generation you are, just to, just to get short and frustrated. And what do you mean? You don't know how to, how to use word. And what do you mean? You don't know how to do a pivot table and what, you know, how can you not know how to, you know, you text faster than that and use an app on a phone and all the, it's just not as prevalent with that generation as it is with later generations. So you've got to be patient. You've got to be understanding. You've got to recognize that there are skill gap differences, not because they're any less intelligent, but because they weren't raised on the technology and have, since they were basically toddlers had a phone in their hand and a computer to go play games on. They just were not, I, I grew up even as a, a Gen X guy, I grew up and you grew up having to go to the library and the Dewey decimal system and looking up. Right. I mentioned that to my, my kids not long ago and they didn't know what they thought I was like speaking some alien language. <laughs> they had never heard of like having to figure out how to find books in a library and all that. So it's interesting enough, go back a generation more to the baby boomers and, and just think about that and, and use that. That could be a real advantage to you as a leader to tap yeah. in, to not cast these people aside and to not say, oh, well, you're almost at the end of the line from a work standpoint. So I'm not going to spend time and energy tapping into into that knowledge and wisdom because you're almost out of the workforce. You know, once they're gone, you have lost every opportunity to yeah. to get nuggets of good stuff from them. The, yeah. the great leaders recognize that. They tap into that and they and they make sure that their relationships with baby boomers are strong because there's so much value if you do it the right way. Yeah, it's so true, Stephen. And, and, and yeah, I mean, you, you potentially get this now. You potentially have a situation where you have a leader who has never experienced life without the Internet, right? Maybe even without Facebook, I can't, I can't remember when Facebook and Google and all that came out, but you definitely have the potential of having a leader who's never experienced life without the internet. Some of these baby boomers remember life without television, right? I, did, I didn't realize this, but I looked it up. Um, television became mainstream in 1956. So some of these people now, they were televisions before that, but it kind of came mainstream in 1956. So some of these people remember life possibly before television. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to recognize that they may not be up to speed on the latest and greatest of technology and so forth. And frankly, they've, they've reached an age in their, you know, a, a point in their life where they don't really want to try to keep up with the speed of technology and how it's changing and all that anymore. But to your point, I mean, it would be really easy to start to write them off because they don't know all this fancy new stuff. But to your point, you're giving up a wealth of knowledge. And here's the way this wealth of knowledge will appear sometimes. You as the leader, you will want to try to 
you know, to create some change within the group or the business or, or how you do things and, and you'll create some kind of change. And one of these baby boomers will say something to the effect of we've tried that before. And if you just write them off right then as, Oh, you're just being resistant to change, you know, just whatever you just, you, right. You just don't want to change. If you write them off right away because they say we've tried that before then you're missing out on a huge opportunity. Because remember, they potentially have 40 years of experience. If instead what you'll do is say, tell me about that. What did you guys do that didn't work, right? You've tried it before, but it didn't work. Tell me why you think it didn't work last time. And they'll start talking about that and you'll learn from that experience. Whereas if you just write them off as a baby boomer and you do it resistant to change, you're missing all of that opportunity. Yeah, just when you when you said that some of the folks in the workplace remember life without TVs, I'm just like, wow, you know what? That's yeah. I think most people today in the let's say millennial forward probably don't remember life without three or four TVs in their house. Yeah, totally right, agree. and yeah. they've never seen a home without a computer in it. Yes, or a cell phone. Right. Or, you know, just yeah, you remember back in yeah. the day when your phone was connected to a wire on the, uh, to, to a box in the wall. Do you remember that? Yeah. And, I mean, and my, you, my you, kids and I were talking, we, I don't even know how we got on the subject of cartoons yeah. earlier this week. And I said, look, guys, I remember the day when you had to get up early, even though it was a Saturday morning. You had to get up early on Saturday yes. morning to watch cartoons. You didn't get to record it. You had one shot. Yeah. And if you didn't get up on Saturday morning and, and watch cartoons, that one shot, you didn't get up to go use a restroom. You didn't nothing. You sat right there and watched it because you couldn't record it. You couldn't on demand stuff and all and none of that existed. Right. Yeah. So yeah, they didn't. They, no they didn't cartoon do. network back then. No, no. no. lucky. You were lucky if you had PBS, you could get Mr. Rogers and Sesame street. <laughs> yeah. Right. I yes. mean, that was kind of the, totally. the, the totally. week in between cartoon day on Saturday, but yeah, it's funny how, you know, just the perspective that, you have can drive the way that you interact and treat people. So it's important that you don't, that you don't, you know, take any of that for granted that you, that you look at the value that that person brings. And it, it's just funny, no TVs, but you know, a couple, I don't know, it was the last month or so. My, one of my sons at, at dinner said, Hey, I just saw for the first time a rotary phone. They you know, know how to use it. You know, with, you know, stick your finger in it and, and like, how does that work? And how does it know? I mean, how does it know where your finger stops? Is it the right spot? And it, it was like, it was like uh, somebody asking how, uh, you know, a spacecraft works. And, you know, I, right. It, it, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's funny, the perspective. And, and we take for granted in different generations what the later generations know and don't know. They take for granted what we know and don't know. And for, for the baby boomers, we all look at them and make some surface level assumptions of what we believe they maybe know or don't know, but what they should know or should not know. And I think we have to be careful there because we can, we can make some broad assumptions that are, are going to kind of get us in trouble a little bit. So anyway, it's interesting. Totally. totally. Well, so let me, let me share kind of my third bullet or final bullet point as it relates to leading uh, baby boomers. And I think this is incredibly important. And that is as a leader, and, and, and this probably 
goes for everyone that you're leading. But I, I'm just going to tell you that it's especially important to baby boomers. And that is that you all as a leader, and, and specifically their leader, you always maintain an incredibly high standard of morality. When that is incredibly important, morality and, and just, you know, having the right intentions and the right motives, all of that is super, super important to baby boomers. And so as their leader, they're looking to you to, to really have a super high standard of morality. And so you've just got to be very, very uh, intentional and careful that, you know, everything that you're doing, you're doing for the right motives. You've got the right intentions. Uh, and those intentions are around, you know, caring for your people and, and doing the right thing and making the right decisions based on, you know, core values and, and things like that. And, and not, um, uh, you know, not making these, these short-sighted decisions that, you know, maybe they, they make the financial books look good, but, but they've just, you know, you just had to fire someone or, or right. You've got to be really, really careful with that for baby boomers because much more so than these other generations, that is critically important. Again, I will say as a leader, your morality should be high in general. But for baby boomers, you better know that they have an incredibly sensitive radar to morality and they're always on the lookout for it. So you got to really, really, really be careful with that. If you have high standards of morality, again, they'll follow you anywhere. If you're struggling in some way and they question your motives, then, yeah, you can expect some pretty staunch resistance from a baby boomer. Yeah, and the point of morality being important for every person, every generation is, is I think, pretty obvious. However, boomers, boomers, I like saying boomers, boomers put a, a little bit of a, maybe a, a higher value on it than other generations. And, and if you go back to what I said earlier, if you think about when they grew up, they grew up coming out of a, a, a very deep post-war era of out of World War II. Oh, oh by the way, there wasn't a lot of uh, time to exhale right into Korea. Mm -hmm. Wasn't any time to exhale right into Vietnam, right, uh, right into a big inflation period. Um, it, it's it, it's the fact that it was a much more. And not saying that today's not serious, but a much more serious reflective time that the world was just in a different place. The technology to deal with the things, you know, today we have problems, you know, we have a lot of technology and a lot of different ways to go, you know, deal with them or understand them better with the, with the invention of the Internet and all these things. We can understand things much clearer, much faster. We can all get on the same page and community regardless of where you live back then it was a lot more localized, a lot more localized right. and, and much harder to, to get to the bottom of things and resolve things because, you know, you had, you had the old way of thinking, the encyclopedias, you had uh, these difficult war torn times that I think just the general nature of the way people conducted themselves was a bit more serious Therefore, they put great, and these are just my opinions. I don't have any data that backs this up. It's just they put more value on people and the way they interacted and the way they, uh, you know, 
shared information and the honesty and, and doing what you say. And there's just just a different view of it, I think, than maybe this fast paced Facebook yeah. world that you can say anything behind this, you know, cloak of secrecy. There's no accountability compared to maybe before all of this technology and, and things going on. And I think that all resonates differently with this generation. And it's something that as future follow on generations, we just have to recognize and it's just reality. And it, you'll be more successful as a leader by understanding and recognizing that and then building the relationship around some of those themes than you would thinking that everything's going to conform to you in the way you think. Yeah. Yeah. If you think about it, uh, this is probably baby boomers is probably the last generation that would have said something like my word is my bond, right? If they said they were going to do it for you, they were going to do it for you. And Oh my goodness. If they shook hands on it, you right. So that was kind of the, the probably the last generation that would have been saying things like that. Right now think about it. You're the leader and you've got a baby boomer and you tell that baby boomer uh, as their leader, you know, they share with you some challenge that they're having or whatever. Hey, look, I'll take care of that. You know, I'll talk to so-and-so about this and, and we'll, we'll get that squared away. And then you don't do it. Right now think about what you've just done. To, that guy is the guy that says, my word is my bond. And you said, I'll go take care of that for you. But if you don't do it, right, you've justified that morality that, that he grew up on of, my word is my bond. So you said you would do it, but you didn't do it. Right? I, I teach uh, in leadership around credibility. And one of the main things around credibility is you just got to do what you say you're going to do. But for a boomer, that is incredibly important. And, and again, like you were saying, it, it's cause they, they, they grew up in that day where that was kind of the, the mantra, right? It, is my word is my bond and, and those types of things. So that's why morality and, and all that is so important for baby boomers. Yeah, you know, one, one more thing on that. They grew up also with parents and grandparents from a much earlier time, from the, let's just say, right. turn Great of the century, then, yeah, right? Yeah. People that were born before 1900, people that had perspectives in their family directly with civil, the, the civil war and things like this, you know, at the grandparent level. And it, it, so you think about how they were raised by these adults that have seen the world through even a different lens and a, a more difficult time. It shaped a lot of the way they became and it just continues through the generations. Yeah. You know, as you were saying that uh, I, I'm thinking of, um, I'm thinking of, of people that I've worked with in, in, in the year, in the past years and all, and, and some of them just cause I know their age and all that, but I'll tell you another way that you can identify a baby boomer and you'll probably laugh and enjoy this. If you think about cubicle spaces, right? Uh, when you go, especially to a millennial um, and maybe a Gen Z or and all, if you go to their cubicle space, I assure you their desk is going to be minimalistic, right? As, as, as few things on their desk and in their filing cabinets and all that as possible. If you find a baby boomers cube, it'll be packed with everything. And it's not because they're a hoarder or anything like that. It's just because they, they learned from that generation. Like you're talking about, they came through the great depression and all that. You don't throw anything away, right? You'll make use of everything eventually. Right. And so you hang on to it and you'll have these guys that have these binders from, you know, from 1978 on a product that they worked on and, and they'll say, well, you never know, we might have to go back and work on that or, 
And so you, you just have that with those baby boomers that they're going to hold on to that stuff. Whereas the millennials and others, no, they're going to chunk those documents as fast as they get them. You know, boomers, baby boomers, they have all that stuff too, because they've been there 30 and 40 years. They don't go anywhere. Exactly. Right? And millennials yes. don't yes. have anything because they're ready to go to the next thing. They're ready to yeah, check out move. and leave. <laughs> they can move out pretty quickly. <laughs> they're ready yes. to go. They're ready to go sit on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Good yeah, stuff. Baby boomers not going to... A baby boomer is not going to resign and go to another company because they don't want to move all the stuff that they've got. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You got that right. Well, that's good stuff, man. You need anything else to wrap up on this conversation before we transition? No, I don't think so. I mean, listen, you know, the deal is you, you've got a guy or, or, or a lady that's got a tremendous amount of experience and all that. Um, so just respect that. Keep them busy. Keep them working because they're going to work hard for you for sure. And just, you know, again, just be uh, be very introspective and, and look at yourself and and make sure that you're maintaining a level of high standards in your intentions and motives and morality that they're going to be looking for. Awesome. Awesome. Good discussion. Looking forward to next week as well as we get into generations that a generation that you and I can really talk some detail about generation I, I, I x think, i think we can relate to gen x yes, yes. we can yes. but good stuff uh good conversation let's go ahead and transition to behind the scenes where we talk about what's going on in our online businesses michael yeah. what is the latest with you all right so i am i am right in the middle of the 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 marketing and advertising and development of this uh, this team building course that I'm putting together, you know, on the podcast here for a number of weeks, we've been talking about, a, I have that, um, uh, that team building quiz that's out there around the, you know, identifying the the enemy that's, that's killing your teamwork. And, and so now I have that funneling into, if you will, a, a, um, a an online course, that's really going to be targeting that individual. Probably it's the team leader, but it doesn't have to be this course is really going to be targeting that individual that wants to build within their team, the teamwork that's necessary that I describe it this way. Teamwork is the only real competitive advantage you have. No matter what industry you're in, your competitors are probably building similar products or they're serving the customer in similar ways and stuff like that. So the only advantage you have is that as a team, you can work more effectively than they can. And so I'm starting this course and it's primarily or it's initially around building team trust within your team. So uh, right now I'm in the middle of what does marketing and advertising for that look like? So building up the email list um, and I'll along the way in this funnel, I'll be doing some webinars, some free webinars and and teaching about the enemies of teamwork and then having that lead into a, a purchase of the course. Um, and at the moment I've got uh, th the first three modules of the course uh, complete and published, and those are going to be uh, previewable. And so someone before they purchase the course, they can look at those first three modules and, and so forth. Um, uh, but uh, then they'll get the rest of the modules after purchase, if you will. But then all that funnel is leading to, um, what I'm calling the launch date of September the 1st. So September the 1st is is my deadline for having all of the modules of the course completed. Um, and, and if someone purchases before September the 1st, then they'll get those modules as I complete them along the way in the month of August. But it'll be a self-paced, um, video-based, documentation-based uh, course to equip individuals to, to then go back to their team 
and build the level of team trust necessary to establish good teamwork. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm kind of right in the middle of that funnel leading into a course. No, that's good. It's really good. It's the, the intentional steps you're taking are you know really inspiring to me and it's helping me think about my things as well and my course as well. And, and so September 1st is your, is your launch date. So between now and September 1st, you're working to get, you know, get this marketed and people enrolling. Is that correct? Yeah. So there's, there's, if you will, two aspects to the funnel. There's first the advertising, which I'm focused on Facebook. So I've got some Facebook ads um, that are funneling into, you know, people down into the course. So uh, the, the top of the funnel, if you will, in Facebook ads is just offering up some, some interesting quizzes around teamwork and so forth. And then uh, the middle of the funnel, some Facebook ads, it'll be uh, sending people to these free webinars that I'll be doing. And then the bottom of the funnel is Facebook ads. It'll send them right to, to the course for the purpose of purchasing it. And all along the way, anywhere in those Facebook ads funnels, uh, they could end up on my email list, which uh, also it, it has a, uh, a funnel. Uh, and it's, it's very similar in that it's offering up um, just insights and advice and, and content around building teamwork. But then it's also offering those same free webinars uh, and all leading into the course of engine. Yeah, it's interesting. And you've become quite a, uh, what I've noticed from the outside looking in a little bit is you've become quite a Facebook ads guy now. I, I've been really impressed. I'm, I'm finally starting to get the hang of it. I, I, without spending a ton of money also, which was also very, very uh, uh, a worry of mine, right? Was I, oh yeah, I, you can go in and spend all kind of crazy money and waste it all. Um but I've been, I've been pretty fortunate so far to have some Facebook ads that are performing well. Um, and now I just got to get the rest of the funnel in place. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, so that I'm not spending the money at the top of the funnel and, and they don't, I don't yeah. have anywhere for them to go. You've got it pretty dialed in on Facebook. You know, when I've seen what, where you started weeks and weeks and weeks ago, where it's like, man, I don't I don't really know much about this to you getting the course that you got then going through it and trial and error. And here's, here's what I love to see is you get all this dialed in and then you and I are going to have a coaching call and then you're going to teach me all of this stuff without all the extra fluff. I love it. You bet. I love you it, bet, man. man. That's, That's good the stuff. beauty of a mastermind. I love it. I love I'm it. So, so my next hot seat on the mastermind will be, okay, Michael, teach me everything you know. That'll <laughs> <laughs> be my hot seat. But no, that's great stuff. And uh, I love the intentionality and how you're walking through it. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm following a, a lot of the same steps you are. I'm not doing Facebook ads. I'm doing Google ads, which I've had a ton of impressions, a ton of clicks, but not the ton of opt. What's your email list up to? I know you've been really growing crazy. I'm at 250. Lord have mercy. Yeah. Lord have mercy. You're, you're like, uh, you're like Amy Porterfield now, you know, I'm getting there. You're getting getting closer, but that's great stuff. Um, but, but you're doing that. I'm working the same basic things. I'm going down the Google ads, uh, way. I'm, I'm interested to figure out if, if my audience lives on Facebook in a way that I could target them the right way. So I've been thinking about that, but Google ads seem to be going okay. I'm not spending a ton of money on it. I'm getting a lot of impressions, you know, quite a number of clicks, not as many conversions, 
but I'm still kind of plugging and tweaking. I, I did another ad yesterday, kind of tweaked my ads, trying to do a couple variations and A, B and C what's going to you know, perform a little bit better. Uh, I'm also building the course out. I've picked a, I've picked a kind of a line in the sand of August 17th, which I know irritates you a little bit, right? It does because yeah. that's before September the 1st. I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm not fond of the idea that you beat me to the punch. Yeah. So I was, <laughs> so I had a discussion with some folks, you know, we just pick a date. My goal, here's my goal. I have my course framed out and this is around my army promotion points niche site. I've, I've got it pretty dialed in. I've got a sales page built now. I've made a seven minute video yesterday, kind of as this intro on the sales page. Uh, I've got it, I think pretty dialed in. I've got launch dates on there, August 17th. And my goal is to get five students enrolled, right? A, it's going to validate that this content is meaningful enough that people are going to sign up for it. I know it is. I've, I've seen the transformative value of it personally. It's to get others to, to connect with that, with that transformation as well. I know it's going to do tremendous help for them. I just got to get them to believe that for themselves. So the sales page is dialed in to really help explain that then to what do I need in the course to make me feel that, wow, this has got me really excited. And now I really want to go build out all this content. So I came up with a number five. So 597 bucks is a thousand bucks. That would get me really excited to go really drive and finish this course content. Uh, now four might, three might, two might, one might also, but, but five is kind of a number I have in my head. So my goal is, is between now and August 16th and Kajabi, I have, that framed out. I have an offer set up. I have, uh, you know, not scheduled to open the course until August 17th. So it's all set up and automated where I get an enroll. Everything's in Kajabi now. My email list for that, my, my offers, my checkout pages, my course, the whole nine yards. So when somebody opts in, goes to the sales page, enrolls in the course, pays the 197, the product won't become available to them until August 17th. So my goal is to focus on less about, about trying to figure out the course because I have it framed out and to focus more on how do I get five people to take advantage of what I believe is a phenomenal option, uh, uh, offer with a, a couple of cool bonuses and to, be, to have them believe as strongly in their ability to make this transformation as I do and really really focus on that because I get those five people. Now guys yeah. like you and me, we get five people into either my August 17th or your September 1st. And we've dialed it in. We figured it out. We've done all of this heavy lift. Now we get the course out there and those first five people for me, I'm going to do group coaching calls with for four weeks, get feedback, tweak the, you know, drip material out. Now, now we say, now we have a proven model, right? right. Now you and I, now we got to do a scale. Yeah. scale, right? Top of the funnel, top of the funnel, scale. And now we're talking, if we can make a thousand dollars in five enrollments or whatever, we can make uh, $50,000. We can make $5,000. Yep. And you, you know, the beauty of that too, I mean, you and I both worry about kind of the same thing and that is, all right, we're going to sell a course and we worry about is, is this course going to bring that level or, or the appropriate level of value to that customer. And if you think about like to the point you were just making those first five, you're going to pour into them like 
like nobody else yeah. exists on the planet, right? And it's because uh, one, you want to serve them, but it's because you want to make sure that they're the early adopters and they've they've spent this, you know, one ninety seven, whatever it is, and and you are going to do everything you can to make sure they're getting that value. And so there's tremendous value, if you will, just from being an early adopter because of that fact that you and I are going to pour into these first customers just because they're our first customers, right? When, you know, 10 years from now, when we're an overnight success and we've got thousands of people coming into these courses, they're not going to get near the attention that these first five are going to get. It's so there's impossible. tremendous value there. Yeah, it's impossible. And another thing I would say too, I, I can definitely foresee, and, and you and I should probably talk even offline from Mastermind and all that. I can definitely see Facebook ads helping you with that launch. Because if you think about it, your audience is obviously folks in the army. Many of those folks are deployed to, you know, foreign countries where they can't have just a phone number. They, they won't, they don't necessarily have a phone number for phone calls and texting. And so a lot of their communication is internet-based yeah. email, Facebook, that kind of thing. So I can assure you they're on point. Facebook. That's a great point. It's, it's a great point. And it's just my mindset around how do I target or segment them to just to not put yeah. an ad out there and have it go into never, never land, but it hits, yep. hits the right audience. So that's a great point. And that's something that you and I should definitely talk about uh, offline. But, you know, I, I just, I think about all these things that you and I are doing, we're following similar paths here. And and you're right. Those first five people are going to tell me a lot about me. Yeah. Right. And my, about my beliefs. And I know and I know that, you know, and I know about you that we can help people. We have a lot of experience, a lot of opportunity to help people through these challenges. But it, it's only as good as our ability to get them into our program so we can help them. Okay. If, if yep. they don't get yep. in, if we can't help them see the value so they make a purchase decision to get into our programs and courses and content, we never have the opportunity to help them. And, and I think that's a, a huge loss for everybody concerned. So um, I don't want to be the sleazy marketer. I don't want to be that guy, but I also want to be compelling enough and have the right messaging and copy that I convince people to take that chance Right. Yep. Because I think they don't even know the value that it's going to bring to them. I agree. And in, in the, you know, the challenge that you and I have is that that's not our wheelhouse at all. That, right. that marketing advertisement sales copy uh, that's, we just don't have experience in that at all. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I look at it this way. Um, I don't know who to attribute this, this to, but. I Zig Ziglar probably. Say, and I don't think it's no. okay. All right. Probably if you said it, it was, <laughs> but, uh, someone, I heard someone say one time that, uh, you know, a good sales plan or, or a good marketing plan will make a bad product yes. fail faster. Well, the opposite is true, right? You can have a wonderful product and a terrible marketing or sales plan and the the great product never gets into anyone's hands. That's right. And so that's equally a failure, right? So you and I know that we have the experience and, and the understanding and, and now starting to get the products that will help people. Now you, now you and I have got to figure out that, that, that sales and marketing plan so that we can get it into the hands yeah. of people so that it will be a success. I think I can tell you who said that. Ready? Yeah. Tell me who. Donald Miller. 
I think you're probably yeah. right. Donald Miller, probably story right. brand. Yes. He says yeah. very specifically that that those with a with an inferior product, but a but a really focused, purposeful marketing plan right. and story right. will outsell all day long the better product that doesn't have the right plan in place to sell it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. So I think you're right. Absolutely. That's 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 really and, and that goes to the, this other point that are there other courses out there on on trust? Sure. Sure. Are there other people that that teach it? Yeah. Are there other people that have websites on army promotion points? Yeah, absolutely. But do those people that are looking for that help in transformation, do they connect and resonate with the way that we teach it? Right. With the way that we share it, with the way that we serve and help them, the way that we're willing to maybe uh, connect that dot that they have yet to be, be able to connect on their own. Doesn't mean that all of these other programs and people, many or all of which have much more notoriety than we do. Right. Much more you know, market penetration than we do and also much less time to go spend with people than sure. we do. People that come to us are coming to us because they've resonated with us, our message. They are going to get a different level of, uh, of ser service from us because we have that time where we're building our programs, building our businesses, are able to spend time and energy pouring into those to help them transform. Others aren't going to give them that experience. So there, all that said, there is plenty in the marketplace to go around for all of us and people connect with people differently. And we you and I can have tremendous success, even though others also have tremendous success. It's about the people, the personalities and the messaging that makes them want to connect with us is my, my view. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree with that. And, and you know, to the point you're making, I, I've taken a lot of courses, you know, on Udemy or Teachable or some of these other places. Uh, not, not a single one of those have I been able to engage with the instructor, you know, yeah. as a part of that course, right? And that's not a hit on them or a hit on Udemy as a platform or Teachable as a platform. That's just where they are in their business. But where you and I are in our businesses is we're all about serving the people that are going to be our clients. Yeah, that's going to grow. That's going to help us grow and it's going to help get the word out and that's going to help our reputation and our ability right. to serve more later. So we're doing what we yep. wish we could do with everyone when we scale, but we're doing yep. that now because we can, when we scale, That's exactly can't right. do it. Not going to yep. be able to do it. So uh, good stuff, my friend. Uh, you want to wrap us up and take us into next week? Yeah, let's do that. All so, right. so from a leadership standpoint, again, if you've got boomers, uh, baby boomers in your, uh, you know, in your team, then just again, just, you know, kind of give them the work to do. Keep them busy because that's what they want to be. They want to be uh, productive and active for you and, and respect their age and experience and so forth. And just maintain that high level of, of morality and you will lead well those baby boomers. Um, for us here on the podcast, head over to leaderpreneurshow.com, leaderpreneurshow.com. You'll find the show notes for today's episode. This is episode number 40. We've already hit 40 here. Uh, for everything that is Stephen and, and all that he's doing with Army Promotion Points and Aerospace Leadership, head over to stephenfaust.com. You'll find everything that he's doing there. And then find me at credibleleaders.com, all the things that I'm doing as well. And then next week, don't miss next week because Stephen and I can talk about, finally talk about something that we know something about. 
and that is Gen X. We're going to talk about Generation X uh, next week. We know so much about that because we both fall into that particular generation. So we'll tell you how to lead folks, old fogies yeah, like right. us. We'll show you how to. We'll tell, tell you how to lead folks like us. So, so don't miss that episode number forty-one next week. And until Stephen and I see you again, then in that episode, be blessed and lead well.